get your Bibles out this morning, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to preach a little bit. We're going to joke a little bit. We're going to get through this together. How many of y'all have read the word at moments in your life, have heard scriptures in your life, and you've always sometimes wondered what the true fulfillment or the true meaning of that scripture was? Can you get an amen? Sometimes we read scripture and we go, that's good. It sounds good, but what does it really mean? That's what this Back to Basics series is really all about. It is here to help you understand Scripture a little more in depth. For years, people have asked me, Pastor, how do you study? How do you dig word out? How do you, how do you when you go and read your Bible, what do you see? What do you look for? Because how many of y'all have ever read your Bible and you read your Bible and you went, oh, I read my Bible, that was it. <laughs> like you just went through it and it was like, okay, I did my due diligence, right? I read my three chapters. Ooh, look, I checked a box and I'm moving on. But when you finished the three chapters, you were like, I don't even remember what I read. Anybody ever done that? So what I wanted to do was kind of pull, pull the curtain back a little bit to help you see that there is a better way for you to understand word. And let me say this to you real quick because I want to, as we go through this, I want to make sure that you understand something. Um, I'm not a big proponent to Bible reading plans. Let me explain to you why. And most of you will agree with this. How many of y'all ever started a Bible reading plan? You ever started one? How many of y'all finished the Bible reading plan? Not very many people's hands go up. They're like, ah, it might have taken me twice as long as the, it was Bible in a year, but I made it Bible in three years. Okay. Uh, because what happens is, is that we start strong. We're like, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible. And then you get through the first five days and then things happen. Then you stop checking off the boxes. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you start losing your way and then you start to feel guilty because you're behind. You're like, oh God, I'll play catch up. So then we read three times as much as we're supposed to read and we get nothing out of it because it's not saturating us. It's just filling our heads. It's just a to-do. The word is so much more than a to-do. I've read the Bible through from cover to cover many times, but I'm still finding ways to slow the process down because I am finding out there is meat in that word that I have never eaten. There is meat in that word that I've never let settle to the depth of me. And so I want to encourage you as we go through this, slow the process down. Somebody came to me uh, about a year ago and I said, hey, how are you doing? Oh, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm not in my word like I, like I should be. And I went, why was that the first statement you gave me? Why would, I asked how you were, and the first statement you threw out was, I'm not in my Bible like I should be. Which means to me that you're under some kind of weird condemnation that God never put on you. God is his word. Are you spending time with him? Yes, sir, I am. Are you reading his word? Yes, sir, at moments. I said, let me show you the best way I've learned how to do it. The Bible says, bless the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit at the seat of the scornful. But on the law of the Lord does he meditate when? Both day and night. He said meditate. He didn't say read, did he? He said, meditate, which means you sit on it, which means you allow it, to, you allow it to sit on you, allow it to take root on the inside of you. Sometimes when you read a word, you need to let that word take root on the inside of you. Sit back, water that sucker, and let it take root. Because once it takes root, you'll never have to go back to it again. It'll become a part of who you are. Slow the process down. Let the word. When I read the Bible and I get to a point that's really good, I stop. God, until you're ready for me to move beyond this course, I'm not taking one step because I want this to take root because I don't want to have to revisit this later. I want to get the fulfillment of this word in this moment. So that's what this is about. This is about us finally finding out what the scriptures really are declaring in this moment. Are you ready? Y'all better talk to me this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Here it comes. Yet, somebody say yet. Yet. Mm. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That was a good amen moment. You missed it. So let me try it again. Yet, somebody say yet. yet. You're going to learn the power of that word in just a second. Yet, in all these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm going to try that one more time because it's trickling right now. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Good. Now we're on the same page. Let's go ahead and break this scripture down this morning because I need you to understand what, what is being declared in this moment. Because we, we hold on to, I'm more than a conqueror. But you missed the yet. You missed the yet in all these things. We missed the fullness of the scripture because what we want is we want declarative statements over the problems in our lives. So we go, I'm more than a conqueror. But can I just tell you this? We say it, but 90% of the time we don't even believe it. We don't even walk like it. If you're a conqueror, how do you walk? You don't walk, oh, I'm a conqueror. How are you? I'm, I'm a conqueror. I'm trying to conquer. No, he says, I'm a conqueror. See, there's force when you say that. There's strength when you say that. There's understanding. There's not just knowledge, head knowledge. There's spiritual wisdom that when you say I'm a conqueror, that means that nothing, absolutely nothing, not, not death, not hell, nothing can overtake me. I am a conqueror. In fact, I'm more than a baby. I'm bad to the bone. If you finally understood who I was in God, because before God, I was nothing. But when I came under him, I became everything that he planned and purposed me to be. So when you look at me, you don't see somebody that's beat down and downtrodden. Baby, I'm more than a conqueror. In other words, I don't just have momentary victories. I live victoriously. But he says, yet in all of these things, in all these things, all these, how many are going through some things? It's amazing when we go through things, we lose our conqueror. It's amazing that we can't find the conqueror in us until someone tells us it's there. Instead of understanding who God purposed us and created us to be, he said, yet in all these things, in every moment, in every struggle, in every situation, in every circumstance, it doesn't matter up or down, left or right. I am still something. I am still greater than what I see in the mirror. I am, I am his. He is mine. I am not just a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious. But in all of these things, God, in where are you? Where's the conqueror in this struggle? This conqueror is in you. Stop looking for the conqueror to be a thing. Why don't you just become it? Do you understand that things will only destroy you if you allow them to? Situations will only kill you if you allow them to. Situations in your life will only strip away your dreams and destinies if you allow them to. Or you can stand up and be counted and say, time out. In all of these things, I am still more than a conqueror. This was a tough scripture for me when I went through my heart stuff. Because I wanted to conquer this thing, but yet on the inside, I was afraid. I was fearful. What happened was the fear was overtaking the conqueror. What happened was the fear was overriding what God had birthed on the inside of me. And God had to wake me up and say, Brian, it is enough. Let the conqueror roar again. Even in this moment when the reports are bad, I'm still your God. You're still more than a conqueror. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 36 says this. You ready? It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Anybody ever felt like sheep being led to the slaughter at moments of your life? He says it right here, but who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Watch this. Nothing can, only you can. 
Let me help you with something. The enemy cannot separate you from the love of God. Only you can. It is a personal decision to walk away from the love of God. And he says, listen, if nothing can separate you from the love of God but you. And I don't mean like if you walk away, God stops loving you. What I mean is you reject his love. You push his love away. God, I don't want your love right now. I want to be miserable in my own stuff. I want to be whiny and complaining. I want to go and tell everybody how bad my problems are. I want to post it on Facebook so everybody can be, have sympathy for me and feel bad for me. Y'all ever seen that? People ask me, Pastor, why don't you post on Facebook? Because I get real tired of people telling me all their junk all the time. Uh, pray. Uh, pray. Uh, go to God. Uh, why are nobody liking my post? Why doesn't anybody friend me? Because nobody wants to get in your boat. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Why is your tribulation killing you? Hmm. Can I say that again? Why is your tribulation killing you? Why is your distress killing you? Why is your persecution killing you? Why is your famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Why is it killing you? Killing, killing me is a word you chose, not a word that God declares. Nothing shall kill you. Nothing. My God, I'm going to scream in a second. Nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. So if anything gets in the way, you're allowing it to take place. And you're losing the conqueror on the inside of you because you're allowing situations to dictate the victory that God already promised you. And he said, yet in all of these things, in the moment of walking with Sydney through this situation, in the moment of going through different stuff, in the moment of changes, in the moment of shifting, in the moment of this, in the moment of that, in the moment of being sick with sinus junk all week, in the moment of kids off at school and grades and this and that, yet in all of these things, even when it's not the way I want it, I'm still more than a conqueror. Watch this, watch this. How many of you right now got a bunch of stuff on your plate? How many of you complain about what's on your plate? See, some of y'all are like, no, I don't want to say I complain. Okay, look, look, watch, watch, just watch. It's me. So you might want to join my team for a second. Join pastor's team for a second. Anybody complain about what's on your plate? Okay. Complaints kill the conqueror. Complaining will kill the conqueror. Because the more you complain, not will you just remain, but the more you complain, you lose the declaration of what God can do in the moment. And then you stop looking at God. You start looking at you. Complaining puts the focus on you and takes the focus off the Father. So when you start to complain, you tell God, God, I don't need anything from you. I got this. The problem is the longer you complain, the more you start to internalize, the more you start to struggle, the more you start to isolate, the more you start to fade to the back, and you wonder why God has quit on you. God didn't quit on you. You quit on him. The conqueror only comes when God is the forefront of your existence. The conqueror is not because you're some tough dude who goes to the gym. You don't become a conqueror because you lift weights. You become a conqueror because you understand who you are in Christ. Once you understand that, you understand that the enemy has no authority. We'll get to that one in a second, but let me give you this out of the message version because I love what it says in Romans 8.35. It says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed. 
Listen to what he says here. Look at the times we stand in right now. Not trouble. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger. Not homelessness. Not bullying threats. Not backstabbing. Not even the worst sins listed in scripture can separate us from the love of Christ. Listen to what I'm saying. I don't care what the news is saying. I don't care what the reports are in the world. I know the report that I'm assigned to. I know the book that governs my life. And that report says that none of that stuff shall separate me from the love of God. And if it's his love that gives me strength, then I need to understand that none of that was meant for me. When we start getting into hatred and bullying, we understand now that we've taken our eyes off the Father. There are no conquerors in the land anymore. There are just defeated people. And I'm going to say this to you as the pastor of this house. God is calling the conqueror back into the house. He's calling the believer to become a conqueror again, to stop walking around sissified, limp-wristed, walking around mamby-pamby, whining and complaining about how bad their lives are. Get off social media. Get in your word. Get off the phone. Get in your word. Get out of your stuff. Get in your prayer closet. Get into the things of God and let him make a conqueror in you so when things come, you go, we got this. Lift up your head, of, lift up your eyes, O ye gates, and see who this king of glory is, the Lord God strong and mighty for battle. When was the last time you walked into a problem like, I got this. Let's go. Even if you don't think you're going to win, baby, I still got this. Because neither life nor death nor nothing, absolutely nothing can separate me from God's love. So it doesn't matter whether I win in my own head or I'm defeated in this moment. God, you still got me because we're going to make this thing together. Come on, think about this for a second. Could you imagine tomorrow morning when you wake up, you just square your shoulders back? Ooh, this is the day the Lord has made it. I'm going to choose to rejoice and be glad in this bad boy. I'm going to conquer this day. I'm going to run at this thing as hard as I got. Everything I've got on the inside of me, I'm going to leave it all on the table. We're going hard in the paint today. Today I'm going to become a conqueror. Can I just say this to you? Please stop trying to conquer the year. Conquer a day. Conquer just one. The Bible says tomorrow is not promised to you, but today is. You're here. Conquer this one. Conquer this one. Conquer this moment. And when tomorrow morning comes, conquer that day. And every day find a new victory. How many of y'all could use a victory in your day? A victory in your category. A win in your, cat in your column. I want W's in my columns, not losses. But I learned a long time ago, stop setting goals and plans for the future. Worry about today. God will take care of the next. You worry about the moment you're in right now. And when I say worry, I use that word very loosely. But oh, God, I got to worry. No, I mean, deal with the moment you're in. Embrace the moment you're in. When we come into worship, do you give God everything you've got? Or did you leave a little bit left over for tomorrow? When you go to seek him in your prayer time, do you give him everything you've got? Or do you leave a little bit left over because maybe you need a reservoir for later? See, here's the thing I've learned over the years. Conquerors leave it all on the table, even if it kills them. Conquerors will leave it all on the table, even if it kills them. Because here's what they understand. That it is not them who made them conquerors. It is Christ who did. And what they understand is that if I leave it all on the table, if I exhaust everything on the inside of me, God will restore me with his strength. And it is his strength that makes me perfect. It is his strength that revives me. It is his strength that brings me up from the depth and puts me back on the top. I need to trust that God's called me into the moment to leave it all on the table so that when I'm done here, I can go rest in him. 
Somebody says to me, Pastor, why are you so tired on a Sunday? Because when I'm done at this pulpit, I've left it all on the table. I'm done. I've exhausted everything that's been placed on the inside of me all week long. And I finally get a moment to deliver this thing. But here's the great part. I go back to him. God, restore to me. Restore to me. Give me that strength again so I can go conquer the week ahead of me. God, I don't know what's going to hit me at 730 tonight. But I know you're going to give me the strength to walk through it. I know you're going to fulfill me. I know you're going to give me the energy. I know you're going to give me the words. I know you're going to walk with me. I know you're going to talk with me. I know you're not going to drop me off and be like, well, I can't do anymore. No, you're going to create this space on the inside of me that just keeps me coming back for more. Do you think anyone's going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? He says, yet in all of these things, we are. I love what he says here. He says, we, referring to a group of people. Paul says, we, not I. He says, we, Why? Because you're only as strong as the person next to you. In the church culture today, we have gone from a we to an I, and we've made it isolation rather than the power of strength when we come together. Men, we learned this on Tuesday night. Ladies, you're going to learn this as Cherish goes forward. You're going to find out that there is strength when you come together. There is not strength when you're separated. And the enemy's motivation, his modus operandi, is to convince you that you are better by yourself than you are together. To convince you to keep your stuff to yourself because no one can handle your stuff. You can't be vulnerable. Let me help you with something. Let the ignorant people be ignorant and let God be God. And understand that there are ignorant people in the world and some people can't handle your stuff. And ask God to give you the wisdom on who to share your stuff with. But understand that God never called you or created you to walk through this life alone. I am blessed to have my wife, but I am blessed to have men around me that can strengthen me too. There are things in my life that my wife doesn't need to carry, that I don't need to put on her. There are things that I need another man to come get a hold of me and say, come on, boy, let's go. And ladies, you need the same thing. You need a woman that will come alongside of you and understand where you are but not let you pitch your pity party in the middle of it. Tell you, baby girl, I got you. We're going to get through this thing together because you and I, we're more than conquerors. We, you and me together. In other words, you don't win, I don't win. And until you win, we're going to fight this thing out. We're going to walk through this thing together. God, I'm preaching louder than y'all are amen. I'm about to throw water in this room. At some point in this walk, at some point, the world's got to look at us and go, that's one bad mamma jamma right there. Whatever that dude is or whatever that lady is doing, I need some of that because that, that is not coffee. That is not caffeine. That is, that is power, and I want that. What is that? Come here, I'll show you. Come here, I'm going to show you what it looks like because together we're going to conquer whatever's in front of us and nothing's going to take us and nothing's going to kill us and nothing's going to destroy us because we together are more than conquerors. Let me tell you why the mirror jacks us up so much. It's because we spend more time looking at it by ourselves than we allow other peoples to fill it with us. So we sit there and look at a mirror and we go, ooh. Yet if you had people with you in that mirror, they wouldn't let you go, ooh. They'd go, look at that beautiful person. See, there's got to come a point in time that that, that the reflection that we have, when you see me, what do you see? Do you see Brian that I can pick Brian off? Or do you see Brian with a bunch of dudes behind him like, no, I'm not messing with him. He's got an army with him. He's a we. He's not an I. I need the same thing for the women. Ladies, when you're around, do do you find yourself isolating yourself and separating yourself? Or do the women around you look at you and go, I can't mess with her. She got a bad group of women behind her and they're going to knock us out because they got a we, not an I. He said, we are. The church has to get back to the we are. 
We are stronger together. We are purposed together. We will worship together. We will declare together. We will decree together. We will shout together. And until we do it, we're not effective. David understood this. Paul understood this. They understood the power of the we, not the power of the I. I stands for isolation. The moment you get into an I, understand that you will always be isolated from the world around you. The enemy is a master at this, of convincing you to stay to yourself. And God's going, stop, I created you for the we. If you don't believe it, why did Jesus choose 12? If Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh form, came to the earth and he picked 12 people to walk with him, did Jesus need the 12? Why would he need the 12? He doesn't need the 12, he's Jesus. He didn't need the 12 to, make, to, to do miracles. He didn't need the 12 to go preach the gospel. He didn't need the 12 to do anything. All he needed was himself to fulfill his purpose. But he understood that there was strength in numbers. There was strength. When I, when I show up on scene, they don't just see me. They see the 12 that are with me. And they've now been anointed to do what I do. My God. Can I just say this to another piece real quick? Be careful that your we is not a bunch of eyes. make sure that your we is a bunch of we's. Because if you got an eye in there, it's going to disrupt the we's. That's like putting a goat in a bunch of sheep. Goats bite, they nip, they cause problems and havoc. Doesn't mean that a goat can't become a sheep, but don't put a goat in your, in your pen because there's going to be a problem over time. Don't let eyes in your we. Pastor, what do you mean you want to push them away? No, love them. Love them where they are, but encourage them to come out of their eye. But don't put them in your weed till they become a weed. Because if you put them as an eye in your weed, you're going to get jacked up. You're going to get messed up. Because all of a sudden, there's no strength anymore. There's just what I want. I'm going to tell you this real honestly. And, and, and I'm not, well, I'll tell you who sent it to me. Danny sent me a text message the other day. He said, Pastor, you know, you said something the other night, and I realized you, you go through a lot of things too. And, and, man, I just want you to know I'm here for you. Being a pastor, sometimes you have to carry yourself at a level when everybody else is here. When the world is here, the pastor has to stand here. Come on, look at me like I'm crazy. I'd live this every day of my life. But I'm the guy, I'm the guy by calls and says, Pastor, will you pray? Pastor, will you come? Pastor, will you do this? I'm the guy who has to go to the hospital till one o'clock in the morning after a murder situation. I'm the one who has to, that's what I do. But very rarely do people come around me and say, Pastor, we got you. Pastor, we're here for you. Pastor, we're praying for you. Not, oh, pastor, why don't you call me? Pastor, why? No, just stand with, that's a we. Because in that moment, I can tell you right where I was when I read the text message. I was on military getting ready to turn on gauze. I was right by the McDonald's. No, I was not at McDonald's. I was on my way home. And yes, I read the text message while I drove. And if you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. Write a letter to Pastor Dylan. He'll talk to you later. Amen. But I read that text message and it hit me. And I honestly, I hadn't even responded to him because all I wanted to say was, wow. Because for that moment, in that second, I was not alone. I was a we. Mm. Even if I was tired and worn out, I was strengthened in the moment. Pastor, I've done that for you. You've never said it from the pulpit. It didn't hit me as hard as that one did the other day. 
But it doesn't mean that the ones you haven't done or the ones you've done haven't affected me. But what I'm saying to you is is that I gained my strength, not just from my time alone with God, but from other believers who come along and say, we are more than conquerors. Pastor, whatever you're going through, I got you. Whatever you need, I'm there. I don't care what it is, I got you. Oh, even if I need nothing, just to know that it exists. Woo! I can conquer anything now. One person in the mirror is not as strong as more than one. The reason you have problems conquering is because you keep going to battle by yourself. Pastor, I'm going through it. Who are you talking to? I don't know. I posted it. Nobody liked it. I watched everybody look, and I saw them look at my story. They never hit the like button. I'm all by myself. Pastor, what do I do? First of all, go to the Lord, number one. Go to God. I know this is, this is crazy revelation. Here it comes. Go to God. And then ask for wisdom as who can become your we in that moment. Because let me help with something. You might be a part of my we in one moment, but you might not be a part of my we in the next. Because there are different moments that different people bring strength to my life. Because of different situations, I have to understand how those people are and how they work and what they, what they bring to the table. And you, you don't go to somebody, I'm gonna, uh. you don't go to a big dude and ask, to ask a big dude how to lose weight. You go to somebody who's been big and has lost the weight, they give you instruction. Can I get an amen? Like, y'all, did he really go all natural? Yeah, I went straight there. I went straight right at it. Yes. Okay, you mean we break it down in a little more or less vernacular terms? Fat people don't go to fat people. We go to skinny people to find out how to be skinny. Amen. We just don't do it. Don't go. Oh, my God. You go to, go to the gym and you watch the guy who literally curls one dumbbell and you're like, man, he's a gym guy. No, he's not. He's there one day every month. That's it. Please do not get into a conversation with him about what your workout regimen is going to be. Find somebody who's going to make you throw up. That's the person you need to let teach you. Because they're going to push you beyond your limitations and help you to see that you are greater than what you think of yourself. The we will cause you to be greater than what you see in yourself. The we will cause you to be greater than what you see in yourself. If the people around you are only keeping you right where you are, break loose from them, even if it's just for a season. Walk away. There is nothing wrong with walking away. I didn't say abandon. I said walk away for that season because they will become a detriment to the growth of you as a believer and in the, in the fullness of the purpose that God's called you to. I don't like naysayers. Let me give you one more example real quick. When I decided I was going to go into ministry, I was fresh out of jail. Amen. Everybody goes to jail, finds Jesus. Praise the Lord. I found him four different times. Amen. Uh, uh, but the last time I came out, and I knew, I knew, because God had told me, he said, I'm going to get you out of this, and when I do, you, you're mine. And I went, oh, Lord, help us. And so I came out of jail. I was homeless. I didn't have a place to live. I was at my brother's apartment, and I told my brother, I'm called to ministry. I'm going to go into full-time ministry. And his statement to me was, are you sure? Mm. He said, are you sure? I went, what do you mean? He goes, bro, you got, you got a lot of stuff in your backyard, bro. Maybe you should deal with that stuff first. I didn't go step out. And I said, man, I can't get away from this. God saved me from that. I got to move forward. For a long time, he had an issue with me being in ministry. And I didn't really even understand it or knew it at the time until once we started the church. And when we started the church, the first Sunday, my brother came into town just to be there with me. 
And he came to me that night, and he said, he said, I need to apologize to you. I said, for what? He goes, I should have never doubted you. I should have never turned. I should have never said anything. I should have let you walk forward in what God was purposing you to do. He said, the reason I struggled with it is because you said yes before I did. And we got in this long conversation about how God had purposed and called in and, and this amazing thing. But here was the crazy part. When he told me that day that he wasn't sure if I was supposed to go into ministry, I walked away from my own brother. Pastor, you walked away from your own brother. I walked away from my best friend, my oldest brother. He said, well, how can you do that? Because I could have no eyes in my wee moment. I knew what God had purposed me to do. I knew he wouldn't leave me alone. He wouldn't let me sleep. There was nothing that was going to stop. I had been to hell and back already. I wasn't going back. I knew there was a purpose on my life. I got to go. I'm not looking backwards. And I had to walk away. I never abandoned. I just walked away for a season. And then when he went through his season of, of brokenness in ministry, I was able to be there with him. And now he's serving God. Now he's calling me and preaching to me on the phone. He's calling me and strengthening me. The other day he calls me. He's like, we're FaceTiming. He's looking at me. He's like, hey, bro, you look like you're tired. I'm like, I am tired. And he just starts, he just starts declaring scripture over me. He starts preaching to me. And I'm like, and as the preacher, I'm like, dude, come on, seriously, really. I, I just wanted you to be my bro for a minute. Like, just no. But it, it brought strength to me. These are seasonal spaces. There are times and seasons for everything. The Bible's very clear about that, even in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says there's a time and season for everything. Let the time and seasons come, but understand you got to get out the eye. Stop walking into church and going, I'm an eye. I told the men on Tuesday night, when you get into church, you better go find another man and tell him hello. Yeah. Not go find your seat. I'm in church. <laughs> That's the problem. I'm in church. No wonder you're not getting anything out of it, because you walk in alone, you leave alone. Why don't you walk in? You can walk in alone, but you're not going to stay alone long. By the time you walk out that door, you might have a golf date, a go-shoot-guns date, a, I don't know, fishing date. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to do something together. Why? Because you're going to get stronger together. He says, in all of these things, we are. Can we put the we back in the church? Can we put the we back in the kingdom of God? Can we put the we back in the men and women who are running after and pursuing God? Can we become a we again? And if you can't become a we, get out of your funkiness. I don't like so-and-so. Shut up. If you don't like so-and-so, then God doesn't like you. Oh, y'all didn't want to hear that one, did y'all? Because if you got a problem with your brother, then God's got a problem with you because the Bible says to love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Didn't care if you like them or not. Y'all know that neighbor that wants to encroach on your grass line, that wants to cut it a little bit shorter than you cut it? Y'all know that one neighbor that does the wiggly line down the side when you're a perfectionist and you want it like this? And that person's like, nyar, 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 nyar. and you're like, I'm just going to run right through his front yard just because I can. I'm going to cut his edge just a little bit deeper just to dig it out. Okay. I've never done that ever. Don't judge me. There's got to come this point in time. Yet in all of these things, in all of our struggles, in all of our moments, all of our circumstances, we are, what does he say? More. More than conquerors. Listen to this. God did not save you to be a survivor. I'm just going to take a step back and let that one settle for you for a second. I'm going to take a sip of water. God did not save you to be a survivor. Stop talking like one. Stop walking like one. You don't need the things like, I'm a survivor. I'm going to make it. Shut up. You already did make it. Stop running around, I'm a survivor. You're not a survivor, you're a conqueror. There is a difference. Survivors walk around and go, look, I got hurt. Look at my scars. Look, the band-aid. Don't take the band-aid off. If it takes it off, it's going to hurt. It. Don't touch it. 
That's what we did when we were kids. Y'all work with me on this in a second? Well, mama put a bandit on it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Don't touch it. It's going to bleed. My daughter does this today. It drips us out. No. I'm like, good Lord, calm down, child. It's a Band-Aid. But it's going to bleed. It's been on there for a month. Come on. It's time to come off. It's time. It needs to breathe. That's how we start this thing. And then we finally get to a point where we're like, we don't even look at the scars anymore. Because we understand that those are battle wounds, but look what God did for us and with us through them. I thank God for every battle scar in my life. Oh, man, I got a scar here on my hair. I fell into a ditch, bust my head open. I got, I got burnt holes on the back of my heart from, from that. I got scars on my knees. I got scars on my eye. I got scars from all kinds of stuff, broken bones, all kinds of foolish stuff. But here's the point. I'm still here. I'm not dead. And even if I was crippled, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I'm still a conqueror. And here's the crazy part. Even if my breath stops here, I'm still a conqueror. <laughs> See, here's what, here's what we get wrapped in. We think that we can only be a conqueror while we're existing here. And the only way we can be a conqueror is if all of our faculties are working. Uh-uh. Try again. The fact that you are, period, makes you a conqueror. The fact that you are makes you a conqueror. Nothing that you do makes you a conqueror. The fact that you are in Christ makes you a conqueror. Stop trying to do to perfect the conqueror in you. Well, if I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this, then I'm going to be a conqueror. It's not what it says here. It says, yet in all of the struggles, in all of the circumstances, in everything that we go through, we are more than conquerors. He did not save you to be a survivor. He saved you to be more than a conqueror, a defeater, a subduer, a vanquisher, a victor, a winner. Watch this. Everyone across this place, say, I am. And I'll try that again. Say, I am, I am. A, conqueror. a conqueror. Come on, say it with a little power. Say, I am, I am. A, conqueror. a conqueror. Come on, say it again. Say, I am, I am. A, conqueror. a conqueror. Now say, I'm a loser. Yeah, you saw how the room just dropped? <laughs> Everything fell out of the room when you went to go do that. And some of you are like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I just said I'm a conqueror. Why would I say I'm a loser? But yet when we're not in the confines of the church amongst other believers, that is exactly what we declare. We are conquerors when we are together. We become losers when we're by ourselves. Watch this. Think I'm praying. Watch. The moment this doesn't exist, the moment there's nobody leading you in worship, the moment there's not a preacher in the room to declare the word over you, all of a sudden you start to question whether or not you really believe you're more than a conqueror. But when I bring it to him, I'm a conqueror. Say I'm a loser. But when you go home, you go, I'm a loser. Say I'm a conqueror. God's going, no, I need you to stay in the atmosphere consistently, whether everybody's in the room or nobody's in the room. As long as God's in the room, I am more than a conqueror. You got to get a little grit to your voice when you do it, too. Stop going, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a conqueror. Man, get some bass in your voice. Men and women. Urgh. Ladies, you'd be really scary if y'all start walking around going, I'm a conqueror. I'm like, I'm running out, man. If my wife walks in the kitchen today and goes, babe, I'm a conqueror, I'm leaving the house. <laughs> I'm out. I'm scared at that point. But why is it that we take everything that comes at us and we just fall apart? We go, we go broke meat or lip-legged. We fall out. Oh, God, I'm never going to make it. Shut up. You are going to make it. Just get it in your head. You're going to get through this. I'm a conqueror. You're a conqueror. We're conquerors. Let's be conquerors together. It might be more fun on a Sunday. If we come in this place and we go, man, I'm getting with my conquering buddies. 
I'll tell you this real quick. Uh, so so I, I drive a Jeep, and, and uh, there's a Jeep club in, in North Shore, and, and we're a part of it. And we went to an event last two weeks ago. Can I just be honest with you? I felt so cool. <laughs> I pulled up in my Jeep, and I'm thinking, man, there's some really cool Jeeps here. Like, these people put some money into these things. Like, went all out. And I'm thinking, I got a cool little package, but it's not on that level. And I pull up, and I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to find a place to park because there's like 100 Jeeps there, which is really cool. And uh, the guy goes, hey, you're, you're parking? I said, yes, sir. I said, wherever you want to park? He goes, oh, no, park your Jeep right there. We want to show off that pretty Jeep. Let's just show off my pretty Jeep? You talking about my car? You talking about the one, the one I'm driving? Yeah, you, yeah man, that's a, that's a nice Jeep right there. Man, I, I backed that thing up slow. <laughs> Looking around like, I looked at Judah and went, son, you see that? He said, my Jeep's pretty. <laughs> we got a good Jeep right here. Put that thing right back. He goes, yeah, man, that's a good job. I got out my car. I'm all puffed out, chest stuck out. Like, that's my Jeep right there, y'all. Y'all see my Jeep? That's my Jeep. I went around and go, I got it. He said, my Jeep's pretty. What I'm saying to you, and the reason I'm telling you this, is that because so many times we miss these moments that you'd walk around with your chest puffed out if you just let people speak life over you instead of trying to walk around speaking to death over yourself. I pulled in there thinking I just had a Jeep. I walked out thinking, man, I got a bad Jeep. You might walk into this house thinking I'm struggling, but you can walk out of this place going, I'm more than a conqueror because I got people around me. I got a we with me. I'm not broken. I'm not busted. I'm not falling apart. I know who I am. And here's the great part. I might have walked in one way, but God says when I come in one way, he'll send me out in another yeah, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not a loser. I'm not a loser. I'm, I'm, I'm not a loser. Stop, stop, stop letting words dictate your future. How many of you in this room ever felt like a loser? I think we've all felt that at some point. How many of you ever felt like a failure? Okay, let me give you some definitions, some, some word-defining moments here. Failures... Not an option until you breathe your last breath. So I, I, let me just give you a word of encouragement. Take the word failure out of your conversation, out of your vocabulary. Until you die in a thing, you are not a failure at a thing. As long as there is breath in your body, you still have the ability to conquer what's in front of you. You might have made a mistake. You might have not hit it on the mark. But you are still breathing, and you have the opportunity to bring it back into full effect. You are not a failure. Read your Bible. The Bible says you are not a failure. Do not allow that word to get in your space. And loser puts a marker on you that says you have an inability to win. An inability. When you say, I'm a loser, it does not define you in one race. It defines you in all races. It defines you in every moment. So when you make a statement like, I'm a loser, I have felt like a loser, you are now telling me that you have the inability to win. And if you have the inability to win, then you have not allowed God to convince you that you are more than a conqueror and that through every battle, through every moment, through every situation, that the victory belongs to him. And as long as you're with him, you will receive that victory. So loser and failure cannot be in your vocabulary. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through who? Through who? Through New King James says him, other versions say Christ, but through him, through Christ. Him describing Christ. We will not conquer anything without Christ. How many of you try to conquer things by yourself? Like I, I got a little project I'm working on at home and I keep going, I'm going to do it by myself. Then I'm like, no, I want, I, here, you want to tell you why we don't like to do projects on our, why we don't like to have people around doing projects because we want all the praise for finishing the project on our own. 
instead of understanding that this could be a great moment for the both of us to grow together. There's a thing that happens when we come together as a team. It's like this. If, 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 if my wife is cleaning the house and she cleans the house by herself and I do nothing to help, this is the statement I get. Did you see what I did? Did you see I clean the house? Yes, baby, I see you. How does it look good? But here's what's funny. The moment I get in there and help her, she never asked me that question. You want to know why? Because we strengthened each other through the moment. We became conquerors of the problem rather than her conquering it by herself and then her needing the praise for conquering. Because let me be honest with you, when we do it by ourselves, we need someone to tell us it was a good job. But when we do it together, the praise happens in the middle of it. Think about it. Watch. When you're playing a game, you're playing a football game, even if you miss a tackle, other players, that's right, we'll get them next time. But if you're playing by yourself, what happens? You go to the sidelines and you're like, I, I, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm horrible at the game. You want to throw in the towel. You want to take the helmet off, throw it off and quit. But when we're together in this thing, we conquer together. We, we strive together. We become better. But we understand that when we're going through situations, you need to first check. Here's your checklist for every situation in your life. Number one, where's God? Where is he? Where is he? If, if you're going to write anything down today, if you're going to mark anything in your brain, write this, put this in your brain. First item on your checklist for every situation. God, where are you? I cannot move until I know where you are. Because you will be my beacon. You will be my cloud by day and my fire by night for this moment. Where are you, God? Here's the funny part. 90% of the time, he's going to be like, I'm right here. I was here the whole time. You ready to go? Yeah, God, I'm ready to go. Where you want to go? Instead of telling God, I don't like that way, I want to go this way. He says, we are more than conquerors through Christ. We will not conquer anything without Christ. It does not say we are more than conquerors through ourselves because God knows that in ourselves we are weak and we will not finish the race. Your flesh is not strong enough to finish this race. Do you understand that? There is not enough in you physically, mentally, to finish the race that is before you without God. God is the strength of your life. And in your weakness, he becomes the strength of your life. You are not, can I just, and I said this a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. You are a weenie. You're a wimp. I ain't a wimp, pastor, I ain't a wimp. You are. But when God comes in, you become all kinds of stuff. He becomes your strength. He becomes the strength of your life. God knows in you, you can't finish it on your own, but in him, you can. You can do what? Come on, work with me, Jesus. Help us. Y'all know the word? You can do what? Wait, one more time. You can do what? Now, still, that wasn't all of y'all, so let's try that again. I can do what? Through who? Who does what? Hmm. You want me to preach on that scripture, too? (laughs) I can do all things through who? Who does what? So you better be close to him if you want to gain strength. But if you're far away from him, you're going to be weak. So when you find yourself in a moment where you're weak and you're not getting through the moment, maybe you want to find out where God is. Because obviously you've walked away at some point and pushed him off into the corner. I got this, God. God, every time I go through a struggle, every time there's a moment in my life of crisis or, or situations or things that have to be worked on, God, before I do anything, where are you right now? I need my barometer. I need my, I need my focus. I need my direction fixed. Where are you? I need to focus my eyes on you because right now I need you more than I need Brian. 
I'm not going to win this moment if I don't find you in this moment. But so many times we wait till Sunday to find out where God is. Well, if I could just get to church, if I could just get to the worship moment, if I could just get to, then I'll find God. Uh Uh-uh. God is in your house waiting for you to find him. Just call on him. He's there. You'd be surprised. He'd probably sit on the couch right now waiting for you to come back. Like, hey, come on, sit down. Let's finally talk. Let's get this thing out. Let's work on this. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. It's only Christ who gives us strength. I, I, I know I go back and I joke about it a lot of times, but I really want to, I'm going to keep saying this because if it, man, or maybe it's a vendetta for me. I don't know what it is. Maybe I want to put Facebook out of business. I don't know. I, I'm a personal believer, and this you can you can take this and throw this up against the wall and do whatever you want to do with it. I don't really care. This is my personal belief. I believe that cell phones have destroyed us. <laughs> we don't even know how to change a car tire anymore because we got to call somebody. Now, I don't I don't know how to do that. Well, Jack, what's a Jack? What's a Jack? I don't know what a Jack is. You got you got roadside assistance? Back in the day, watch this. I'm gonna go old school. We had a quarter and then went to 35 cents. Y'all know what I'm talking about here? A thing called a payphone. I know that's crazy. I know that's a crazy thought. If you broke down the side of the road, what did you do? You walked your happy little butt to the next exit. You got off the exit. You went to the gas station. You stuck your little quarter, praying to God you had change in the car. You put the quarter in, or you begged for a quarter at the gas station. Can I borrow a quarter so I can make a phone call? Then pagers came in, and we started 911 and everybody because we didn't know how to figure things out. 911, 911, I'm dying. There was a season where we actually consulted God rather than ask somebody to consult God for us. There was a season we actually called God instead of said, Pastor, will you call him for us? There was actually a season where we came into the house of God excited about what God was doing rather than being told, being told again that God was still on the throne. Cell phones have destroyed us. Because we don't rely on God, we rely on the opinions of man. We need someone to fix our emotions rather than fix our lives. God says, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Put your phone down and pick your prayer life up. Put your stuff down and pick him up. I believe phones, I believe social media has literally robbed us. Because now we don't even know who we are anymore. We're trying to be somebody else. And we are, our egos are driven by what everyone else is doing rather than what God's doing in us. I am blessed by God well beyond what I deserve. And people go, but you don't post about it because I don't really care what you think, whether I'm blessed or not. Because it's not up for you to tell me if I'm blessed or not. It is up for me to understand who my God is in my life. And if that means I am broke in your eyes, then I'm broke in your eyes. But I know that when I lay my head down on my pillow tonight, I'm good. I got four beautiful children. I got a wife who loves me. I got a church that I get to pastor at every week and get to love on and get to walk with. I am so blessed because none of this would have happened had it not been for God. I am so amazingly blessed by how good God's been in my life. Why do you need to know it? I should just be able to tell you and you believe it. Rather than me have to prove it to you by the car I drive, the house I live in, and where I ate at for lunch. Here's the great part. I don't need to tell you I have a good marriage. Just watch the fruit long enough. But the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. I'll say this to you real quick. This is a sidebar. There's a pastor I listen to every week. Actually, I listen to him every day. And uh, he was talking about how 
there's a tree in his backyard that is an orange tree, and it's down a hill. And he says it's a beautiful orange tree. He lives on the, on the west coast, and it's an orange, big orange tree. And he says it's just fruit. He said it's, it's down a 45-degree angle hill. It's, it's a walk to get to this tree. And he said, but something about that tree makes me walk down there every day to find an orange. And he said, here's the truth of it. Fruit will compel you, not the tree. Just because you're a tree doesn't mean that you're compelling. But you start demonstrating fruit, you'll start compelling people. Let them see the fruit on your life. Don't tell them you got good fruit because 90% of the time, you ever got a bag of oranges and you go home and eat them, they taste bland? That was a bad bag of fruit, Jack. And just because it had the marker on it that it was a good bag of fruit doesn't mean it was a good bag of fruit. You don't mark it by the tree, baby. You see the fruit. You've tasted the fruit. You get to be a part of that fruit. Watch the fruit and then gravitate towards that. Sidebar, that was a freebie. Amen. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Watch. Who, do, who does what? Who? Ah, 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 see, this is where we break it down. He who loved us. What does that say? Loved. It's present tense or past tense? Hello. It's past. He loved it. He already did it. He's already done it. Watch this. Watch this. It's already done. We're already more than conquerors. You think that becoming a conqueror is a change. No, it's an acceptance. Once you've accepted the love of God, you understand that through the love of God, you are now more than a conqueror. Because Christ loved you, God so loved the world that he gave, you now get the inheritance of a conqueror. You just got to get it in here and in here that that's what you are. You mean I don't have to do anything special? No, you just have to receive, baby. And once you receive that love, you go, man, I can conquer. You want to know why? Here's why. The Bible says that love conquers everything. Love never fails. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The price has been paid. He said it. That settles this. What are you complaining about? You've already won. So the next moment a battle comes, I dare you. I win. The next time a struggle comes, I win. The next thing, the next moment things aren't working out in your life the way you want them to, hey, I just want you to know, I won. I love watching my kids play games because they cheat. Amen. <laughs> Not my older ones, but my little ones do. My little ones cheat a lot. Like they're like, they, we play this little um, like Connect Four game. It's a little bouncy ball. I hate to say this, but. It almost reminds me, it's like trying to teach kids how to play beer pong ahead of time. It's really bad. But, but, but they bounce the ball, and it hits the thing, and it falls in a spice. And I was watching them play yesterday, and I'm watching my daughter methodically, my six-year-old, watch her trying to aim at a certain spot on purpose. Instead of letting the ball bounce like where it's supposed to go, she was now throwing the ball in to try to get it where it needs to go because she wanted to beat her brother every time. She wanted to conquer her brother every time. And Asher kept losing. And Asher looks at me, he's like, distraught face like I'm never gonna win I'm just never gonna win dad this is not horrible this is horrible and he's like taking a bucket moving over here trying to change colors because he thinks if he changes to the yellow ball versus the red ball he's gonna win magically because the yellow ball is more important than the red ball dad and it's the red ball that's making me lose it I gotta get the yellow ball so we get the yellow ball and then love's like no I want the yellow ball and they're like no I want the red ball and I'm like dear lord will y'all please stop it's a game okay here's the truth and this is what I told him I said son whether you win or lose you still win he goes what I said, whether you win or lose, you're still winning. He said, that's not true, Daddy. He said, Daddy, I, she won. I didn't win. I said, that's, all, that's whether you believe you won or not. Playing the game, you win. 
Now, this is not from that from those perspectives like everybody deserves a trophy. No, if you come in first place, you should get the trophy. I'm not of that fact where everybody gets the same trophy. Amen. Amen. Loss is okay in life. It actually builds character in your life. I mean, when we were kids, you lost a baseball game, you sucked it up, and you went home, and you got better. Now everybody gets a trophy because we're afraid somebody's going to get assaulted or offended. Man, be offended, Jack. You need some offense in your life. You need some offense, and so you will get better at what you're doing. You're going to have moments where you don't always win. Go home and figure it out. If you didn't see God the first time, try seeking him the second time. But understand that it's not going to kill you in the end. It just, just because you're in the game, you're winning because Christ already loved you, and nothing can separate you from it. So if you have his love, then go conquer. So what if your sister wins? So what if she beats you four times in a row? You're not dying. Get up and keep walking. So what if you didn't get the promotion and the guy on the job got it before you got? Celebrate him because what you celebrate in your season will come and find you when it's least expected. <sighs> He's already loved you. What are you complaining about? Pastor, it's so tough and I don't know I'm going to win. Let me help you with something. Your lack of conquering proves that you have a lack of love. Mm-mm. Well, let me, let me rephrase that a little better. Your lack of conquering proves that you do not understand his love for you. Yet in all of these things, height nor depth, principalities, struggles, situations, nothing. Nothing. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save, save that which was lost. That which had marked itself as a loser and a failure from coming to you. Because that was not the purpose for your life. I've come to redeem you. I've come to give you value. I've come to declare over you what, what the Father had already created for you. I, that's why Jesus came. came. Jesus came to give us value. Do you understand that? Jesus was the price paid at Calvary. In order for the price to be paid, you had to have a value. And the only one that could set that value was the creator. And it is through the bloodshed at Calvary's tree that you became more than conquerors. So watch this. Over 2,000 years ago, you were already more than a conqueror. Let that sit on you for a second. It'll mess you up. 2,000 years ago, you were already a conqueror. Well, Pastor, I don't feel like conquered. I need you to go back to the cross and find out why. I need you to get with him and ask him, God, why did I let this off of me? Because I need this back in me. I know i got to find out who I am in him. Let me read this to you real quick as I close. Romans 8, 37. Run and read it one more time. It says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Every once in a while, I'll pull out from the message version just because I like the way it says it sometimes. And I love how short and sweet he makes it in this book. He says it this way. He says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Think about that for just a second. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. So as we wrapped up last Sunday and my wife and I for two days stood around in disbelief of everything that had taken place. And I wish I'd have put it on the screen because I'd love for you to see it. But Pastor Dylan went through the pictures that were taken last Sunday, and we got some amazing pictures of Paul worshiping. And um, 
as I was looking at my sermon last night and I was reading over this. In that moment of him standing right there, I saw his arms stretched out, his eyes closed. Which means that none of what was in front of him was phasing him. But in that moment, his love was enough. Not knowing what was coming, not knowing what was going to take place that evening. None of this phases me because Jesus loves me. When we were kids, we used to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Two factors in that. We don't know what the Bible says anymore. Therefore, we question the love of God. And so we walk around going, does he really love me? And then we wonder why we're stuck in moments because we don't feel like we can conquer them. And as I look backwards, I start rewinding and I start almost flipping in this thing in reverse. God starts to show me, he says, Brian, the conqueror comes because you understand the love that I have for you. The love says, Brian, I got you. Doesn't matter, I got you. The love doesn't say, Brian, you need to be better. The, Brian's, the love says, Brian, with me, you'll become better. The love gives me the strength to go forward. I don't know what it is to go through what Simi's going through. But I can tell you that through every morning of prayer, my prayer has been the consistent same. First, I've been lifting up her and her kids. And then God today gave me the wisdom. God, let me also understand how much you love me. My kids knew where I went that night, and my son, he, he, he's a tracker. He keeps, he keeps an eye on me. He knows where I'm at. He's calling, Dad, where you at? Dad, what's going on? Dad, what's going on? Dad, what's going on? And when everything started to wrap up, I had called him back, and he said, Dad, what happened? Is, is he okay? And I had to tell my son. I said, no, Bubba, he didn't make it. My, son. my son's eyes got this big. He goes, no, Dad. I went, yeah, Bubba, it, it's what happens. And I came home, and oh, I just wanted to crawl up in the bed with my kids and my wife and just say, thank you for your love, God. But when I got the picture the other day about Paul, I saw it all over his face. The love of God was just there. Fullness of the love of God in None of what happened Sunday phased him. Because he went from Sunday like this to Sunday night like this. And everything he had sung about, he now experienced. He stepped into glory and received the full love of the Father. I believe with everything in my heart, that night he became more than a conqueror. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. None of this phases us. Jesus loves us. Everybody stand to your feet. Pastor, why do you, why, why, why are we so why are you so adamant about us understanding Scripture? Because I need you to understand Scripture more than you understand my preaching. 
I need you to stop relying on me and rely on his word. I need you to stop relying on this Sunday experience and rely on the word all week long so that you come in here strengthened so that we can become conquerors together. If all we do is lose throughout the week and the only time we win is on a Sunday, that's not going to be a great existence. I want you to win tomorrow morning. I want you to win on Tuesday. I want you to win on Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. We come back Sunday, man, it's been a winning week. There's been some tough moments, but God's got me because I know I'm more than a conqueror. We got to change how we look at things. Stop walking around in your defeatist mentalities. Oh, oh God, help me, Jesus. I, stop. Because when you start to do that, you, you eliminate the power of God that exists on the inside of you. When you start to whine and complain about where you are, shh, stop. Just stop. Your life is not that bad. Stop. I can show you some people whose lives are really bad. Stop. And let God lead you. Let him give you the strength. Become more than a conqueror. Take the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. Squeeze it. Some of y'all trying to conquer your friends right now. Stop it. Okay, we got you. We know you're here. Thanks. Appreciate that. Squeeze it one more time. Gain some strength from that moment. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Say it, I'm not alone. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm not alone. Say this, watch this. Just say it out loud. Don't look at anybody. Just say, I got you. The whole room. Amen. We got to find strength with each other so that we can become more than conquerors through Christ who's already paid the price so that we can conquer each day ahead of us. Wake up tomorrow morning. Find him. Go to him. Let his love surround you. Let it encamp around about you. Let it overtake you. And watch how your drive to work is. Watch what happens when you get into work. He'll go before you, come behind you. He'll lead and guide you through every step of the way. When you leave and you come home on your way back home, bring him back into the full spectrum. Bring him back into focus. God, where you at? Right in this moment, I need to talk to you on the way home. Because I, I, I got to conquer something else when I get home. Come on, moms. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Here come the kids off the bus. Ah! Yeah, we see it every day. God, give me the strength to conquer the next moment. God, give me the strength to conquer the next moment. But here's the truth of it. In this process, you're going to find the love of God just fulfilling every fiber of who you are. And as that love overtakes you, it's going to change you from the inside out. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now that your love conquers everything, that your love changes everything. And it is your love that gives us the ability to become more than conquerors. Father, we don't want just victories, God. We want to live victoriously. We don't just want wins at moments, God. We want to be winners. But we understand that in life, there are moments that it doesn't work out the way we want it to. But yet in all of these things, we are. Doesn't matter what comes our way, Father, because of you, we are more than conquerors. Father, it is my prayer in this house today, as we leave, that God, we would take the things that have become struggles, set them aside, pick up your mantle, 
square our shoulders back, lift up our heads and march forward. Not looking backwards, not wondering what if, but knowing, God, you make all things possible. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I need Christ as the Lord of my life. The most important thing I'll do all day, more important than the sermon I just preached, the most important thing I'll ask you to do in this whole day. If you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. You say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I need him in my life. Or you know what, Pastor, I walked away from him. If that's you in this place, will you do me a favor? Right where you stand, even if you're holding a hand, will you just lift up that hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus right now. Anybody here? This is your moment. This is what we've been waiting for. We got one. That one is enough. For that hand lifted, Father, I declare the peace that passes all understanding to guard and keep their heart and mind. I declare the strength of God to manifest over them. I declare every crooked path to be made straight. I declare every struggle to be laid aside. And I declare from this day forward, they are yours and you are theirs. Today, God, blot out their past and launch them into their destiny in you, God. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. Now, Father, take us from this place. Give us traveling mercies as we go home. Let your anointing be here with us and as we leave. Let it go with us all week long. Let us lead and guide in everything that we do and say. Let it bring glory to your name. When we come back together, whether it's for class on Monday night or youth group on Wednesday night or worship practice on Thursday night or back here on Sunday, Father, whatever we do, let your name be glorified. We are. We always will be. We always have been. More than conquerors.